How do we start? Oh, yeah. Welcome to, under the, <laughs> welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm David Smith. And I'm Marco Arment. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. I have to think about that for a second. <laughs> we are live uh, on the streets of San Jose during WBDC. Um, we're going to do a slightly different episode th- um, th- this week rather than what we normally do, because we have the benefit and the opportunity to talk to other independent developers other than Marco and I about the things that were announced and you know in, in subsequent episodes we can unpack what they, we think they mean and some of the implications of that but it seemed like an interesting opportunity to just kind of get a, a first impression of what is the thing that uh, different people are most excited about for you know what that was announced yesterday as we we're recording so let's start I'm, I'm honestly curious Dave let's let's start with you if possible um, what is the thing that you are most excited about for you know obviously I, I think we, we got a lot of stuff there's a lot of kind of Broad, like far-reaching, big and small changes with the APIs and everything. Is there like one thing that you're most excited about, or is it kind of like a broad array of diffuse things? Sure. I mean, I think that the I have a real answer and a fake answer. My fake answer is that I'm glad. My the thing I'm most excited about is that there was no like holistic ground like ground rebuilding change that I have to spend my summer dealing with. I was worried that like well wor- worried and excited that WatchOS, for example, was going to go and do this massive overhaul of how, how we make apps and have to rebuild all my things, which would have been exciting, but it also meant I wouldn't have like, seen my family this summer, and that would have been not, not as exciting. Yeah. And so, I mean, That'll I'm, be next I'm, year. It's like, yeah, that, maybe that's next year, but <laughs> this summer, that's not the case. And so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, the thing I'm most excited about, honestly, is just some of the ni- seeing them make nice, solid, incremental improvements on the watch that the workout tracking stuff has gotten a lot better, should be a lot neat, neater and nicer, um, and allow me to make an app that is more comparable to the built-in app, which is great. Um, and then also just on the audio side of things, that they made, they brought parity to essentially to a lot of the things that we um, were able to do on the iPhone, and now we can do it on the watch. And I like that they are, like, of all the platforms, like some of the platforms felt like the iPad wasn't mentioned at all on stage, essentially. TVOS oh, yeah. was barely mentioned on stage, but the watch and the iPhone we're the show and as somebody who is focused on the watch I'm excited that the watch is continuing to get um, focus and attention when other things potentially seem to be getting slightly neglected at least for this year yeah, it makes a lot of, yeah like the watch especially like you know I also have a lot of good stuff on the watch because they it seems like they read my post about why I couldn't make a podcast app that was good on the watch and it seems like they fixed every single thing on that list like I have to take a closer look to see like you know if this is actually as if all these things work the way I need them to and if they're reliable and if they're actually if there's any major shortcomings um, but it looks pretty good at first glance um, and so I'm really looking forward to diving in and playing with that yeah and the nice thing too is they've announced it as a marquee feature that background audio and audio related things is a thing so if there are problems if there are bugs, it seems likely that you'll be able to actually get them fixed and have them work on it because they want a feature of the Apple Watch publicly announced now to be background audio, to be able to play podcasts and audiobooks and long-form audio content on the watch. And, I mean, I think that makes sense. And they dropped support for uh, the Series Zero watch as well, which I was excited about, but... I think oh, this, I didn't know that. Yeah, they dropped support for the Series Zero Watch. So WatchOS 5 only supports 1, 2, and 3, oh. which is fantastic. And I could also see this fall, Apple's going to be wanting to make as strong of a case as they can for why you're going to want to buy a new watch. Because all that first-generation people who bought a watch who might be on the fence, like anything that's like... I mean, it makes me encouraged that Apple is going to fix bugs and make watchOS as good as it 
can be this summer because this fall they're going to have to resell a bunch of people on their getting a new watch. That's a really interesting thing because I, I bet cutting off the Series Zero is probably what allowed them to do background yeah. uh, full-time audio because it probably had it probably was like the cutoff of not having enough RAM or something to like keep the app to, to keep more than like two apps running in the background because you know the challenge with background audio is if you have a background audio app running and you also then want to have a workout app running, then you have to have both apps that stay open. Neither of them can be suspended yeah. uh, at any time. And, and so maybe the Series Zero just didn't have enough RAM or something, to, or, or the CPU would be too slammed yeah. um, to make that you know. And good. just in general, it was just, it was just really slow, and the battery life wasn't that great. And so, I mean, I've been advocating for it to be going away for a long time, that I, and I'm glad to see that, that they, it seems a little, a little aggressive of a, of a schedule for them to be using, but that's great. Like, I'm very glad that they were able to do that, and... Like that's my the small little nugget from yesterday that I was most excited about because building watch apps that are you know now I just only have to worry with the S two and the S three chips like they are so much more capable than that first generation chip so that should make my summer a lot easier and I think it's better for everybody too because then like you know you figure like the vast majority of the watches that are out there being used are not Series Zero you know because like because they the sales have gone up over time and so you know most of them presumably are now these much newer models and much better models. And so, you, if you can improve the OS in key ways, like background audio and you know various other things that you can do now, for everybody, that's yeah. a clear win, and everybody wins. The developers win, the user win, everybody wins except Series Zero owners. But because they stopped selling the Series Zero now, like what about two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. You know those batteries weren't lasting that long, and a lot of Series Zero owners, like their battery, no longer holds a useful charge, so their devices are, are naturally aging themselves out anyway. Yeah. So you know that's that, I, I think this I think you're right it is a little bit aggressive although it's I think it's similar to what happened on the, on the iPad with the iPad one versus the iPad two yeah um, but ultimately it's gonna be it's gonna be way better for everybody that, that yeah this, and, that the OS gets better and it's not actually gonna hurt that many people because I like when I look at my numbers the number one in use uh, like chip is the S three chip so the Series three watch and the, which is now there are now more of those in use than Series zero one or two um, even, wow. So, like, it's, they're selling really well, so they didn't actually hurt that many people in doing it. So, but it makes sense, like, they could have done it, like, they had the big slide during, this, during the keynote about iOS, where they're like, we go back all the way to 2013, and isn't that awesome? But I'm so glad on the watch they didn't hold themselves to the same kind of goal, because now we can do so much more on the watch than we ever could have been able to if Series Zero was the baseline we had to meet. And they can, like the built-in stuff can yeah. get better too. But but you know, certainly they can finally enable better stuff for developers too, and that's that's just great. All right, so first thing you're doing, I mean, you probably have already started <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> first major thing you're working on, health and fitness stuff, probably. Yeah, it's, I mean, well. it's it's, it's going to be adopting the new workout APIs and workouts plus plus, pedometer plus plus, nice. um, adding some of the Siri shortcut stuff just in terms of for it seems like I can do more sophisticated shortcuts for starting workouts which I could have done before but now I can do even slightly more clever stuff there as well as showing you data like surfacing data about like asking Siri how many what's my step count and surfacing that to you oh that's cool um, and then and then after that it'll go back to working on at, at doing background audio for podcasts and audiobooks awesome alright well I think we're going to move on, move on to guests now. Is that a, yeah. is that a solid plan? Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, for letting us know your plans. And I guess I'll go last after all the guests. Um, so uh, anyway, before we get into guests, uh, we are sponsored this week by Linode. With Linode, you can have access to a suite of powerful hosting options. The price is starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. 
Linode offers industry-leading performance, native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and Intel Xeon E5 processors. They now have 10 data centers spread across the world, so you can serve your customers even quicker than before. They have an API, lets you easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line. And all of this is so easy to set up and use. Linode's pricing tiers are super fair and super clear. They have hourly billing with monthly caps on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So whether you're just getting started with your first server or developing a complex system, Linode is great. You can do things like host large databases, run a mail server, operate VPNs, Docker containers, Git servers, so much more. And they are hiring right now. So if that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. So Linode plans start at just $5 a month. That gets you a gig of RAM in the Linode cloud. And they also offer all sorts of plans, high and low. So as a listener of this show, you can sign up at linode.com slash radar. That will support us, and you'll get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the four gig plan, or on the one gig plan, it's actually four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code radar2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show. Uh, hi, I'm Curtis Herbert. Uh, I'm the author of the app Slopes. Uh, cool. I love slopes. <laughs> Thanks. Wait, do you actually ski or snowboard? No. Okay. But I, but I follow you on Twitter, and I, I look at all your all your, all your like design progress and everything, and your business model progress and everything. And it's really it's you know as an indie developer, I, I think any indie developer should be following you. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I'm curious, Curtis, what is what are you looking forward to most? out of the new stuff or, or what what is like most relevant to you here uh so the first one uh just kind of fun is the ar stuff so i shipped ar in slope so uh for anyone who doesn't know it's a skiing and snowboarding app uh, at the end of the day you get a recap of all your speeds where you went on the mountain and something i added last season was a virtual 3d mountain in the app itself so you can see you know whistler black home and you can see where you went on the mountain and replay it um, and this spring, I added AR kit to it because it was in scene kit. Kind of why not? Low-hanging fruit. But it actually ended up being kind of fun. It's not a compelling AR experience yet, but it is something my users are really actually interested in, surprisingly. Um, so I think the shared experiences with AR kit will be pretty cool because for a lot of people, they might not have slopes installed already or have any data in there. So if their one friend is using the app a lot and they're like, oh, look at this cool 3D view, now instead of having to crowd around a tiny iPhone, I can just have a player view on the other person's phone and they can just look with their own phone and kind of explore around the AR experience without having to hand over the other person's phone or do anything like that. Um, I don't think that's going to be a big compelling business thing for me, but it's fun. And I love shipping fun features, and my users really like this 3D stuff. Um, so that's that's definitely something I'm interested in. That's a really cool point, yeah. Because like, like, and this is one of the reasons why it's fun to follow you. Because even though I, I don't ski or snowboard, like when you have an app like this where you can, you know, you can do it a really basic way, like a basic, mm-hmm. you know, data-driven app, just basic data display yeah. and everything. You could do that, but you go all out and you make it this cool, like you know, high high production value, uh, you know, app full of fun displays, nice design, fun features, and everything. And I feel like that's that's like one area where indies can can really do well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because like you know, if you're willing to put that amount of effort into something and have that kind of like fun sensibility and good design sensibility, and if you can do it 
fairly easily. So you know, because still like on an, on an indie time budget, right? Like, which well, is, that still took like three or four months to write that. But yes, oh, sure. relatively yeah. speaking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot like, of late night with trigonometry. It was yeah. a bit of a nightmare. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, like it's it's such a cool thing. I feel like I feel like that's kind of like the quintessential Apple app. Yeah, of like it's a unique that's feature like, that's compelling that you won't find anywhere else. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like it's like a. a like you know, maximum viable product. Like to use Panic's term, like yes. <laughs> to use like to do like the absolute most awesome job you can with what seems like a, it could be a simple task. Yeah, yeah, it's something that you wouldn't necessarily ever expect from an app, but then you see it and you're like, oh, well. So at least for skiers and snowboarders, we think in 3D. So like for me, yeah. it was kind of an obvious like it's not like a running app where elevation matters a little, but you care about the 2D top down. Like for skiers and snowboarders, the vertical is just as important as the latitude longitude coordinates. So. It makes sense in your head, but you would never expect it from an app. But once you see it, you're like, oh, why does every ski app not do this? Like, this is how we think. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the fun one. Um, Again, I don't think it's going to really move the needle on my business or anything, but my users love it. And that's kind of what I'm there for. Just like, what were they saying? One of the cornerstones of good apps during the Say the Union delight. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And that does move the needle. It like, does. Yeah. If you look it at helps me one, stand out. Yeah, yeah. Any one feature in isolation, you might say, well, I don't know how much this matters, but the right. sum of it exactly. equaling this, this yes. delightful app that people love and yeah. will talk about, that does very much matter. Right. That does move the needle on, yeah. the, on sales and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. The holistic picture will do it. Like this one feature won't move my needle, but yeah. combined with all the other 3D stuff and the cool things that I do, it's almost like users expect at this point out of slopes that I'm going to push the envelope and do these things with it. Um, so the one I'm actually interested in more from not a business standpoint, I guess, but I, I, not a fun feature is uh, bringing UI kit to the Mac. I added sync to my app uh, last season. Uh, so over the summer of 2017. And since then I've gotten a lot of requests for iPad app, obviously. Um, but I have gotten quite a few requests for a Mac app. Interesting. I Just like, to replay your data. Yeah, because yeah, you know you have a bigger, nicer screen. Yeah, you have a twenty-seven inch. Like you want to see yeah. that three D data, those visualizations larger, and I totally get that. Um, so I've already. I, so I was thinking of an iPad app recently, and I held off once Marzipan rumors broke. I'm like, okay, I'm going to see what this is about yeah, before <laughs> I invest in it. Um, and I'm actually really thrilled now because it looks like it's going. Uh, arguments around WWDC about what this will eventually be, but I'm getting the read that like this will be basically your app is UI Kit on the Mac. No app kit involved, and it's basically your iPad app. So I'm already planning on moving to an iPad app as just a viewer of your slopes data, and I'm going to get a Mac app for another five percent work. Like it, if everything <laughs> goes That's well, That's exactly like the the ratio that I always, I always think about. Like the, you know, because the iPad app for me was about five percent more work than the iPhone app. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's like if I can get a Mac app for maybe another five percent of oh, work, it's totally worth it's it. No it's low hanging fruit. Yeah, and again, that's not something that I think is going to move the needle on its own, but I think it helps provide a more complete platform experience, and that's something that users really resonate with mm-hmm. and shows them that this is somebody who's dedicated to shipping a good app. Um, and so I expect a lot of apps are going to have to do that, um, but I'm excited just because now I don't have to view all my data on my tiny iPhone, well, tiny iPhone 10, um, but I can actually <laughs> view it on my 5K display, and yeah. that's going to be compelling. I love having the iPad simulator up and bringing it up full screen and seeing my 3D rendering on my Mac. Now I'll have that native. Um, so that those two are, I think, the two that I'm really looking forward to. Awesome. Well, thanks, Curtis. And where can people find you in your app? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter as uh, at parrots, the plural of the bird. Uh, and you can find my app at uh, getslopes.com. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Joe Chmunsky. Uh I am a uh, developer and designer person, indie 
person in this community for quite a while, and uh, I host the Release Notes podcast and conference and stuff of that nature. So, Joe, what are you most excited about for anything that was announced or new changes that were happening? Like, you know, basically kind of like what, what's like top of your mind? Right now, top of my mind is Siri, honestly, um, and the workflow team and all of that stuff, because I think the way they've integrated is interesting. And often when I come out of one of these, you know, dub dub situations, like that day two is always my brain is exploded and I don't know what to, do, what to really think about it until I've really seen the sessions and dig into it. But I have a feeling that that's going to be a big deal more so than I'm thinking off. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't seem like that big a deal until you start digging into the possibilities. I like Apple's philosophy on this, that it's, they're putting the power into the hands of the customer like they usually do instead of us, the developer, which means that the customer gets to choose which apps they want to automate and which ones they want to use with their voice and how, which words they use uh, in order to trigger those. Uh, and I think that's a neat approach that's very different from Amazon's and from Google's approaches. And it's, I'll be interested to see how that works out long term. Yeah, that's that's one area where I have very strong interest because not only is there this big user side of it, but then there's also the API developer side of it where like we can make all these like vocabularies and you know actions for our apps and have them index and have them show up in the proactive suggestions and mm-hmm. things like that and on the Siri watch face. Like there's a lot there. Like I, I think this really will have a major impact on usage of the devices and also what our apps can do. Yeah, it's, it's something we've wanted for so long. We've been begging Apple for and uh, it's finally here and now it's like it's overwhelming almost uh, because we really don't know what to expect. So, yeah, and I can't, I can't think of an app where I wouldn't want some sort of intent possible. So there's there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, I feel like this kind of like opens up like power user uh at like levels, like how like how good you can get, how fast you can get, how productive you can get, how how customizable of a workflow you can build and and conveniently use on iOS devices. Like before, the ceiling has been kind of low on that, mm-hmm. and you know this doesn't blow it totally open, but it makes a huge gain, I think. Yeah, definitely. And and like I said, it's it'll be nice also to you know, people won't be complaining anymore. Like Apple, please do something with Siri. Well, they did something, yeah. <laughs> so they finally did that, and uh, I don't know how it's going to shake out. I mean, you know, I don't want to. But just seeing how much of workflow is obviously still in there, uh, you know that team, and I know those guys a little bit. I've met them a few times. Uh, it's just it's nice to see that that work seemed to have paid off over the last year, and I'm very very excited about where that might go. Now a lot of, a lot of the uh, you know the work you do with release notes um, is focused more on the business side of things. Are, are there any major business or marketing type changes that you're excited about? Yeah, I mean it looks like the Mac App Store. Uh, you know, obviously the redesign was well way overdue. Uh, and it looks like they did more than just redesign the store, though, because a couple of these major folks like Panic and uh, Rich Siegel, I mean, he was at our conference like, two years ago basically saying, uh, these are all the reasons why I left the Mac App Store, which he did that famous <laughs> right. talk. And, right, at, right. At, our, at our conference, he did a talk saying, like, this is what it would take to get me back. And that list was a long list, and they didn't announce all of that list. So they must have done something that made him you know, more inspired. And I've heard there's sandboxing changes and things of that nature that we haven't really heard all the details yet. Uh, so anything they can do to help that sort of thing. And, you know, Panic is going to be able to sell, you know, subscription on the Mac App Store and standalone on their website. Yeah, more flexibility for us as business, I think, is a good thing. Uh, and I think it's it's a testament to what the editorial team has done with the iOS App Store over the last uh, year, that if they're going to bring that to the Mac and be serious about it and staff it up properly and feature apps the way they should, then that might be a, a positive step. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can find me at releasenotes.tv if you want to check out that podcast. Uh, you can always find me at joec.design. And on Twitter, I'm just jhplunty, but spelling my name's yeah, not worth it. <laughs> You'll find me some other way. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Joe. Yep. 
I'm Kaya Thomas. I'm the creator of We Read 2, which is an app directory of children's and young adult books written by authors of color. Great. And what are you most excited about the things we got this week or announcements or changes? For me, the, the most exciting thing so far was actually Create ML. Um, I've actually not really been that interested in machine learning before I saw that because of the barrier to entry of actually trying to figure out how to get a model and train it. And figuring out that part, I think, is just such a steep learning curve that I never really got into it. And I think after seeing that demo where she created and trained a model in like two minutes, <laughs> I was blown away. And I actually really want to start learning more about the app services that they have for machine learning. Yeah, honestly, that, that I was very excited about that as well because I don't know anything about machine learning. I'd love to dive in and like and start experimenting with it, playing around. And I was faced with the same problem they described on stage of like, it's you got to download these all these different open source tools that mostly are designed to run on Linux servers, and it was just really cumbersome of a process and, and a very intimidating process. Exactly. Um, so intimidating. I mean, when I was in school, there was a machine learning class, and a lot of it was, you know, straight up math, and it was really intimidating. So I, I didn't even take the course, because I was like, you know, machine learning is for the PhD folks. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and now, you know, with being able to do that in a playground, I think it's really going to change the game, and it's actually going to make machine learning more accessible to f different types of folks who, you know, don't feel like they need that kind of heavy academic understanding of what, it, what machine learning is supposed to be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm one of those people, too. Like, I don't have the academic background at all. I don't understand the concepts. I don't understand the algorithms. Most of even the terms that people use, I don't understand, because I, I just have never used that before. And I bet a lot of developers are in that position, right? Because, like, it's a, it's a fairly recent thing, and development's a pretty big, wide world and big, wide field. And so I think most of us have not specialized in advanced research areas like that. And so to make that more accessible to all of us, uh, it probably helps a lot, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I love that. I love what they've done over the years with the Swift Playgrounds as well. Um, there are some small updates that's coming there. I think that Apple's showing that they're really trying to make programming accessible to more folks and make it less intimidating. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Any other changes you're excited about? I'm really excited about some of the small updates to Xcode. I mean, being a developer day to day, the things like, you know, having in the change bar showing if there's a merge conflict yeah. or, you know, showing if there's upstream changes, I think that's going to make a lot of people's lives easier, mine included, because, you know, everyone's been in that kind of git black hole where there's a merge <laughs> and you're trying to rebase and, like, you know, it, it takes hours to, to get out. So I think doing some small updates like that really matters, just focusing on the day-to-day -day life of, de of a developer. I'm really excited about some of those and multi-cursor editing. Oh, yeah, gosh. Know, right? <laughs> oh, that, that made me so happy because I've done some multi-cursor editing in Sublime. Yeah, and so like yeah, yeah. Seeing, seeing that come to Xcode finally is just like sigh of relief. Yeah, like there have been so many times where like I've, I've copied like a big list of properties or something out of Xcode into TextMate, done a big multi-column edit, and then pasted it back <laughs> yeah. over to Xcode. It feels yep. so clunky. Yeah. <laughs> so this, yeah, that'll be great. I forgot about that. That'll be yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think they're you know working on some really you know small incremental changes that'll make a, a big impact on developers' day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, I, I, yeah, all that stuff. Like, because like, I feel like every year, like you know, we talk about the big headlining features and all these little tools and API improvements that are like less, like, kind of lower profile. 
we often like kind of forget about for a while, but then they just make our lives better for the next year, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that seemed like the focus this year is a lot of it is not necessarily about the big, big features, but mm-hmm. it's about you know small per- performance improvements, like these just small incremental changes that are is going to make the experience for developers and users just much better. Um, and I really, I really like that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there is there like one thing that you're that you're like excited to do first? Like like as soon as you get back back home, like back to, back to work, like what's the very first API or thing you, that you think you might look into? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I already downloaded Xcode beta. <laughs> oh, you're way ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I downloaded Xcode beta. Um, I think the the most thing I'm excited to to play around with is. Uh, ML and, and playgrounds. I'm gonna yeah. you know play around with create ML and playgrounds and and see what it can do. I mean the the demo that she had really made me feel confident that you know I could actually train some data and play around and actually create an app that uses machine learning potentially. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find you and your work? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter as kthomas901 and my website is kayathomas.info and you can find me there. Great, thanks, Kaya. So, Marco, what are you most excited about? Like, I think you came into this year with a... It seemed like you, there, there was a lot of op- possibility and options for things the way things that could have gone that, like, could have changed, dramatically changed what your summer looked like. So, what, what ultimately, how do you feel about what happened and what are you most excited about? Mostly, I'm, I'm very excited about that, that I could finally do Apple Watch uh, offline playback. But the funny thing is, I, I've already written that. And, and so, I, I already have that, like, pretty much ready to go. So I don't think I'm actually going to need to do a lot of work on that. Ultimately, what I'm even more excited about than that is the UI kit apps on the Mac thing. Yeah. Which is funny because I can't do anything about that yet either. Sure. <laughs> but so, uh, so this is not going to be a, a, busy sum, a busy summer uh, in those areas probably. But uh, I'm very excited that I'll be able to bring my app to the Mac in a way that is probably not that much more complicated than bringing it from iPhone to iPad. Yeah. And that's if if it if it truly does work that way, which it sure looks like it will, that's going to be amazing for so many reasons. You know, for for app developers like us who you know who only really have time to for like one major code base um, to be able to bring our apps to the Mac where it makes sense, uh, I think is going to be a huge benefit because anytime we can leverage the work we already have in a major way to to like spread into a new market without adding a whole ton of maintenance work and, and coding work and everything, that always benefits us. You know, that, that's, we need to be smart with our time and, and leverage our code base as much as possible without having a whole bunch of separate things to maintain. So if this truly gives us that for the Mac, that's going to be awesome. And I'm just looking forward to it as a user of the Mac. Sure. You know, like there's so many apps that I would love to have quick access to on the Mac uh, that, that I, you know, great iOS apps and we don't have those a lot of the time, and, and to be able to have that now more frequently uh, with less work for the developers, I think is a great is a great idea. So I'm even though that's still like you know at least a year out, I'm very much looking forward to that, and I'm very happy that Apple, even though there's nothing we can do about it yet, that they actually told us about it, so that way we can make better plans. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's lovely that we now know that it's coming, and also I think what I like about that is I think it gives them more flexibility about how they roll it out, like. In theory, it doesn't even have to be next year at WWDC. It could be next spring. It could be whenever because right. it's pre-announced. It's it's not this thing that they have to build the secrecy around and like manage in the same way. Or they could roll it out incrementally and have a like a easy a simple a simpler version of it or a technology preview or whatever. Like they have a lot more options and flexibility around what they actually do there than if it had just been the secret the secret project that's secret secret. And it also means they can start to get feedback about it that they can. 
I imagine they'll start to reach out to developers who will start you know, using it ahead of time or at least getting feedback about how they might want to use it. They're using it themselves. Like, it seems like a, re- a really nice thing, and I think I love, as an independent developer, I like that it, the leverage that that provides, that suddenly, rather than needing to, it, you know, d- jumping onto a new platform can often be a tremendous amount of work, if it isn't a tremendous amount of work, then it's just a tr- it's just like a lovely opportunity that we can take advantage of, and it's just like it just leverages all of the stuff we already have built in a totally new platform, and with a new a new Mac App Store that they seem to actually care about now. Um, we hope. <laughs> well, they they care about it more than they had for the last five years because uh, yeah. yeah, we've gotten like progressively worse and worse over time. Yeah, at least they've reset back to caring about it now, and so we'll see where they go from here. But at the very least, signs of life, which is great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Uh, best of luck to all the developers out there going through all these betas and beta ones. Please don't install beta one on your main phone. Although, don't. Yeah, I mean, we all know many of us will, but beta please two. Don't. Just at least wait till beta two. At yeah. least wait till beta two. Yeah, beta two. You can at least kind of excuse it, and it it almost seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone. Best of luck dealing with all this new stuff all summer, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>